What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. I'm here with uh, Mike Harrington, who's looking sexy as all hell, buddy. What's up, buddy? I mean, you're you've got skinny man confidence already because you know it's coming. Oh yeah. You know it's coming. You're already wearing the white beater, so people are used to seeing you with your arms out. So that when you're rock solid and stunning, I think we can fade out the dead at this point. Well, actually, give it a second. Any man alive, do do do. All right. So fun. What the dead? So fun. I love the dead man. I know, dude. You you really put me onto him. You're looking sharp, buddy. Thank You're cutting you, buddy. the lbs. I like what's going on. Bro, I'm back to light heavyweight. Back to light heavyweight. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's always funny when. Uh, you're a little heavier, and you realize that you're the size of the people you're watching, like, weight-wise. Like, they would kick the fuck out of you. Like, I would be, for my height, I should be fighting probably at 135, if I, maybe. No. No, you're a 145-er. Dude, I'm 5'6", 145. That's, that's, uh... That's what McGregor won at, but he was massive for the weight class, and he's only, like, 5'10". I, Tony Ferguson, dude? Tony Ferguson's a lightweight. Yeah, so isn't 135 light... Oh. No, 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 that 135 is bantamweight. You'd be a featherweight. That's um 145. Who's in the 135 class? 135 is like Dominic Cruz, uh, TJ Dillashaw, Henry Cejudo's the champion. He's tiny. Those guys are so fast though. Yeah, but you know they're they're so small. They're Cru- so small. I always thought Cruz was so fun to watch. He's not bad. Um, he's a little boring. He's just like a he's like a weird outfighter, dude. Like guys have been making their bones at that division, doing that for years and years. So I'm not like. I don't know. I'm not that impressed with Dominic Cruz. Really? I always no. thought his style was uh was really it, like the sprint in out in out, I don't know. All right, whatever. We don't have to talk MMA all day on this podcast. Harrington, bunch of random news topics I want to get into. Yeah. Before I do that, I'm giving you the floor. Was there anything that you needed to get off your mind? You wanted to let Firstly, if you haven't already purchased Harrington's Com, it's still up for sale. Uh it is horrifying to look at i saw it the other night and i thought come has come i you know i've watched porn i've seen other people's jizz in porn i haven't yeah. really seen other people's jizz in real life um i don't think no i don't think i've seen anyone else's jizz in real life oh here can i tell you a funny story sure when i was uh still in my studious uh religious days i had uh i had a roommate and, and we jerked e- we jerked each other off no we didn't do that um I used to swim every once in a while. I would like twice a week. I'd go for a swim. Swim and come. I no, I wouldn't swim and come. I would just go for you know a normal swim in a swimming pool while wearing a bathing suit, just trying to keep the lb <laughs> keep the lbs off. You know, just a a come a come free swim. And anyways, <laughs> I have this bathing suit hanging in the closet. And one day, my friend walked into the room and he goes, "What the hell smells like cum?" And I was like, "Oh, that's the bathing suit." And I, I, it was like my whole life, I just figured my cum was the only cum that kind of smelled like chlorine. That's what I figured. I never heard anyone else say that cum kind of smelled like chlorine. You ever hear, uh, does your cum have a chlorine type thing? I haven't noticed it anymore, but I feel like my nose isn't as good as it used to be. Alex was telling me about this not too long ago. She was like, yeah, all these trees smell like cum. And there was like a, there's like a cum smelling tree. I thought it smelled like chlorine. I guess that's yeah, what it's a chlor- smells like to most people. It's a chlorine-type scent. You ever hear Doug Stanhope's joke about that? No. He goes, you know why uh, I'm going to mess up the joke? Maybe you can find it while I'm telling the joke, and then we can hear the better and right version of it. 
But he goes, you know why cum tastes like bleach? So after a lady blows you, she's reminded to go clean the kitchen. (laughs) 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 That was in the middle of one uh, album. He just had like three one-liners. The other one-liner, which was great, is... uh, I'm also going to fuck it up. It's amazing. Uh, the second you go to tell someone else's joke, you just always fuck it up. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, I asked this lady to tit fuck me. I, I, I mean, I, I asked the lady, I wanted to like tit fuck her. And she goes, well, what's in it for me? And he goes, well, once I come, I'll stop punching you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why that joke is so funny, but it's the best. Can you, can you play both those? So yeah, I have the actual joke here. Uh, my girlfriend told me if God meant girls, uh, if God meant girls to drink cum, he'd have made it taste like chocolate. I told her, yeah, but he had it taste like bleach, so she'd remember to do the fucking laundry. Yeah, well, like I said, way better joke from him. You can't find it on YouTube, so we can actually hear it. No. What about the? Fi- just type in uh, Doug Stanhope fist fuck. Um, uh, tit fuck joke. I don't have a big closer, and I may not have a point, but I have a tit fuck joke, and I'm gonna use it right now like a lifeline. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey, so I told my girlfriend I wanted to fuck her between the tits. She said, how are you going to make that feel good for me? I said, right before I come, I'll stop punching you in the face. <laughs> Don't you feel better now? Uh, so anyways, Harrington, you can support his Patreon. Uh, he is, in fact, mailing out his cum to people. Mm-hmm. Um, the other night, he had the first customer, and he had it in a jar in his pocket, and I was like, I'd like to see it. And I thought it was just going to be some uh, traditional old white goo. You know, your typical standard fair semen, uh, but apparently if you leave semen in a warm winter jacket for a whole day, it turns into like if you ever ordered sea monkeys in the mail. <laughs> and you get that little jar and you're like, I don't get it. Where did the sea monkeys come from? It was a closed jar. <laughs> come get my sea monkeys. Uh, it was, I, I started gagging and I had to ask him to put it away. I don't know why it was so horrifying to look like look at. It was like you went into Chernobyl after the, the nuclear thing broke down. And you were trying to get a sample from the radioactive material. But you guys can have all those warped colors. Harrington, why did it turn green? Why is your cum moldy? It's not green. It's not moldy. Get out of here. You're, 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 you're trying to show off for your friends right now, Robbie Bernstein, and I don't appreciate it. Oh, it had a tinge to it. Uh, all right. Let's get into the news. Unless, Harrington, anything you wanted to uh, throw at us Buddy, before? I'm selling my cum out here. I got nothing out. <laughs> Fair enough. And, well, at least, where's the call to action? Where can they find your uh, your fine specimen of semen? Patreon.com slash Mike Harrington. There you go. All right. Uh, Harrington, I've had a long-running conspiracy theory that I produced. No one else has ever said this. I made it up on my own. I had absolutely no evidence for it, but I just believe it to be true. Okay. Now, I think a lot of times when you see politicians and they put out a book, like Timothy Geithner put out a book, Stress Test, or Hillary Clinton put out her book uh, about female bravery. I remember years ago that General Gates, he put out that book, Duty, right? And I remember I saw that like in a Costco. I think that every time one of these politicians uh, leaves office and writes a book, I think that paycheck they, they get is some sort of a backdoor 
that's one of like those little bribery schemes that they have where they can't formally give the guy any money, but they tell him, hey, listen, once you're out, we're going to get you a ghostwriter. You're going to write this book and it's going to sell a whole shit ton of copies and you're going to get this paycheck. And who's actually purchasing all those copies? It, they just go to some warehouse and they fucking burn the books. No one's really buying the books. It's whoever's out there that wants to be able to give this guy a paycheck and they can't just write him a paycheck. It's like a backdoor way. It filters through a whole bunch of hands. All of a sudden, this guy has money. I came up with this theory... I remember years ago, I don't even remember what fucking president was. I'm just going to lie and say it was one of the Kennedys. Uh, that they're rich. One of them like published a, a book. One of them became president. Hey, he published a book. I mean, it might have been one of the Roosevelts. It was one of like those uh, one of those dynasty families. Uh, you see, I only somewhat know what I'm talking about. But one of them published a book, and the dad bought out all the copies that it would be a New York Times bestseller, and that would kind of raise the guy's credentials as a noteworthy author. But he wasn't really. The dad just knew that if he had a published work uh, book about like political corruption or whatever, it would make him look favorable. It would look like, oh my god, look at this noteworthy author, and he was. And that just convinced me when these guys are putting out, you know, what was another one of these scams that happened. Mm -hmm. um, well, they say you can't prove it, but Obama on, um, got that massive Netflix deal and he was also pushing for the net neutrality, which would have helped him. And Al Gore got a crazy cable um, deal. I forgot what he did for the cable networks, uh, but basically he became the network that then sold to Al Jazeera, and he got that cable channel for like next to nothing, which then sold for a shit ton of money. Wow. I, I You got to look up the specifics on that. I know I'm not just making up that information. I read that somewhere. You guys can go look up the specifics on that. But I've always thought that when these, put, when these politicians put out their boring-ass books, I've never been inside someone's house... And seen them own a Hillary Clinton book, but when these guys roll out their books, they're at the front page. They're at the front of every Barnes and Noble. They're at the front of every Costco. They're like institutional buyers, and I bet if you ran the math on it, like ninety percent of those books end up getting thrown out. So Harrington, yes, as proof to my theory, I came across this, and I just thought it was uh, interesting. Here was a title from, uh, yeah, you have it in front of you from Business Insider. Donald Trump Jr.'s new book may be, uh, may be a number one New York Times bestseller only because of bulk orders linked to the Republican Party. So apparently it does happen. Because oh, I, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, there's like, uh, um, you know, a bunch of people used to talk about that with, um, like, uh, when Kanye West won the head to head against uh, 50 Cent back in the day, like to see who can get more record sales. Uh, pretty much anything put out by Rockefeller Records was guaranteed to do like a million in sales the first week because they would just be bulk buys across the entire Def Jam. Like they were part of a larger conglomerate. Um, and so the conglomerate would buy it up. Exactly. So it's like, all right, like we own, you know, 90 FYE locations. We own fucking, you know, 10,000 Target locations. So all those are going to have those in store. And if we have to buy those back eventually, it's fine. At least we did the numbers day one. There you go. All right. So I want to get into the uh, Trump impeachment. Uh, out of curiosity, Harrington, did you uh, decide to watch any of that at all? Absolutely none of it. All right. There you go. Fair enough. I appreciate the honesty. Um, Dude, it's 11 hours long. Like, I have a lot of free time, but not that much. Oh, I think I watched almost all of all of them. That's crazy. <laughs> not quite. I I've, I did a, a lot of fast forwarding. I didn't watch any of the Democratic questions. <laughs> I didn't watch. Fair I didn't balance Bernstein. I didn't watch a lot of Adam Schiff. I like I watched everything to get the flavor of it. I did not watch all of them in their entirety, but I did watch too much of them. Um, now, the first thing I was thinking would be like r just really funny is, can you imagine being a politician in Ukraine while this is going on? Because we really threw them under the bus. 
You know what I mean? Like, forget how bad, like, maybe this just makes us look. Oh, you haven't watched him. I'm, like, talking to you as if you've watched him. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, what does Ukraine have to do with any of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when a man's trying to sell his cum, he's <laughs> just in a different place in life. <laughs> Wait, we have a president? <laughs> okay, Ukraine's tied into this because uh, the whole... Trump was talking to the president of Ukraine and saying, hey, I want you to investigate um, what was going on with the Bidens and your energy sector and all this other stuff. But then at each of these proceedings, American politicians are getting up and going, absolutely, we have to investigate Ukraine. Ukraine is the most uh, corrupt of countries and all of these terrible things are going on in Ukraine. Like that's that's just like taken as fact. And I could just imagine, you know, you're you're like the president over the Ukraine. You're like, can you leave us out of this? This is like a problem with you and Trump. Why, why are you getting me involved, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude, you guys have your own beef. Why, yeah, why are you this has nothing to do with... Why are you going to blow up my spot? Because you, you don't like... Yeah, closet? you don't like this Trump president. You got to blow up the good corruption thing I had going on over here. What the fuck's your problem? Do you All right, so do you think it actually is that corrupt of a place? What, the Ukraine? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hell and yeah. uh, and we, we've had our hands in the action. Um, Okay, so the Trump impeachment thing... Here's what's driving me crazy is that I know that it's bullshit, but I feel like I need to be on top of these things. And so I feel like I'm spending a lot of time to like trying to figure out specifically why it's bullshit. But it's like, like, I don't need the exact, like, it's for my own intellect where I'm like, I really want to like kind of see this through and see if I can spot what's completely off about it. It's almost like if you were playing a game of uh, like a really hard puzzle of, uh, of like I spy. Okay. You know what I mean? Like you're open, but it's like the really advanced version. Like Waldo's really hiding in this one. Yeah, and you're like, well, can I spot it? Because I feel like he's here. Like I feel like while it's like that with bullshit, except I'm not sleeping at night because I'm watching these boring hearings, being like, where is it? I know it's here, and I do just kind of feel like, generally speaking, that that is a uh, waste of time. Now, here's what I thought the play is. So first is they're already saying in the New York Times that this is only the fourth impeachment in our nation's history. That's one of their big talking points is, uh, hey, this is the fourth impeachment in our nation's history, which makes them, it's like a guilty by association thing. Sure. Like, generally speaking, we don't even need to look at presidents, but this is the fourth, this, in the entire history of our country, there's only been four times we had to look at someone, so it's very clear that he must be doing something wrong if we're even having the impeachment hearing. Yeah, but like that kind of loses his luster when you remember that there were Trump impeachment pools starting the first day of his uh, inauguration. Yes and yes. I, well, I think it really loses it because that's exactly what they pulled with the Russia collusion nonsense, which is for two years they said, well, he's under investigation. It's this idea that if you're just being looked at, you must be guilty because they're investigating you. And then the dirty trick here is that they push to investigate you even when they have nothing. And then here was one of the other things they were doing. I don't remember the exact number, but I saw this in a New York Times article. They were saying uh, it, it's only the fourth time that a president has ever had to uh, you know, be investigated for— or be involved in an impeachment hearing as seven witnesses have already come forward to testify. Well, it doesn't matter how many people come forward to testify if they have nothing of substance to say. You could bring home 115 witnesses. It doesn't matter. If every witness comes in and goes, I didn't hear the call, I didn't see the call, I have no record of quid pro quo, fine, bring in a thousand of those people. It doesn't fucking matter. But the way they play it off, because no one other than me actually follows the hearings, they go, oh, it was a it was a bombshell, and it's the 14th person who came in, yeah, the 14th person that came in to testify that they weren't there, and that there was no actual record of quid pro quo. All right. So 
That's what I was. So, yes. Can you explain this to me? Because I did. I had a conversation with like a super lefty, like, you know, guy is b- born and raised New Yorker his whole life. You know what I mean? Like lived in the city since like the 70s. And he was telling me essentially, he's like, oh, they really got him today. It was the day of the Democratic debates. I think it was Wednesday. And he's like, yeah. they really got Trump today. Uh, he's so guilty. And this whole hearing thing, like he, he seemed to be watching as much of this hearing as you and yes. paying attention. Uh, so I'm wondering how he could see that while you're seeing something clearly so different. So, Harrington, I love that you asked me that because that was the hearing that I watched the most of and was bored by because I saw that all of like the um, that was the one it was with the bald guy who basically looked like a skinny Jeff Ross. Um, (laughs) The other person he kind of looked like was the actor who voices the T-Rex in uh, in Toy Story. Oh, uh, the same guy who does uh, he's he's Larry David's best friend, right? Jeff Garland. No, 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 not Jeff Garland. No, no, no. Um, Who plays the T-Rex in Toy Story? He gives IMDb that. I forgot the guy's name. But he, he was also in, I think it was the teacher in Clueless or something like that. He's been in a William bunch of Michael random- Sean. Yeah, he's not like a, a household name, but you can look at the picture. And he kind of, ta- he sounds more like William Sean than he does sound- Wallace than- Michael Sean. He sounds more like Wallace Sean than he sounds like, uh, like he sounds like, or kind of looks like a gay Jeff Ross. Um... Oh, okay, I know. Yeah, he's the he was in Princess Bride. Yes, yeah, Inconceivable. yeah. Inconceivable. Yes. Okay. Um, great question, Mr. Harrington. The same thing was driving me nuts, and that's what I was saying with the I Spy, where I was like, I want like wh- what are they talking about? Where did this bombshell thing come from? And we're gonna get into that in a minute, but essentially they said that he was able to th- he used the words very specifically there was quid pro quo. But here's the crazy part. When, when, from what you've heard about there being quid pro quo, Mr. Harrington, as a loose person who follows the news, you're actually the perfect person for what's the mm-hmm. thumb, where, where's the thumb at for America? What are they right. picking up on? What are the dumb guys hearing? What, okay, to you, what is the quid pro quo that they're saying that Donald Trump um, should be, you know, impeached for? So it was either AIDS or arm, <laughs> uh, that, a, I'm sorry, aid or arms that was going to be provided to Czechoslovakia. Right, that's okay. the country. Uh, in exchange for them uh, looking into uh, Biden, uh, Biden's son's dealings in the okay, energy sector. Great, wonderful. We're gonna play this later, but when he actually says yes, Donald Trump did, there was quid pro quo. The quid pro quo was in exchange for a meeting. So it's kind of like when, uh, in exchange for a meeting with Donald Trump, being able to come to the White House. Then he also. Um, uh, <laughs> Okay, we're we're jumping ahead uh, in like in terms of the notes, but that was the most interesting part. It's kind of like when you just see an article headline and then you actually read the original quote. That's basically what they did. Is they said yes, there was quid, there was a quid pro quo. However, if you actually look at what the quid pro quo is, it's not even the quid pro quo that they that the media is claiming took place. Sure. And then even if that took place, it's still coming from like a secondhand testimony. The guy actually asked Donald Trump on the phone, what do you want from, like, what do you want from the Ukraine? He said, I don't want a quid pro quo. When he was asked straight out, he said, I don't want this. And so we're going to look into that testimony in a little bit because that was the one that the media was going nuts. Like, oh, it's a bombshell. Clearly, case closed. And I promise you, from a guy who actually watched a lot of it, it's not case closed. Okay, so here was the other thing that happened, which was kind of fun about this. So for a while, they were saying, hey, there was quid pro quo. Now they're saying that, no, the issue was bribery. 
Harrington, you want to take a guess why they switched from making the claim that there was an issue of quid pro quo to saying that there was an issue of bribery? Um, no, no clue, actually. Why? Because people are too stupid to know what quid pro quo is. <laughs> and they realize at least bribery sounds bad. You tell the, the public that there's this issue of quid pro quo, and they're like, wait, so the, the president's pro squid? Well, what's the issue with eating squid? He's pro quid? Who's this quid guy? I didn't know that there was a quid guy. So this was from the New York Times. I just thought this was great. What, is, uh, what does it matter if this is bribery specifically? Primar- primarily for political messaging, critics of Mr. Trump have generally been talking about the scandal in terms of more abstract concepts like abuse of power and the Latin phrase quid pro quo, which means exchanging one thing for another. Those phrases can be difficult to understand and raise the question of whether they amount to an impeachable offense. Mr. Mrs. Pelosi's sharpened rhetoric was part of a shift in what Democrats and other critics of Mr. Trump have sought to talk about their allegations using a more plain English term. Uh, so I just thought that was great that they're already trying to like, you you can see it's not so much in the case of crimes, usually go, Hey, there's this specific crime. Can we prove that this crime took place? This is political theater. And so when they realize, Hey, the general public doesn't really even view that as a crime, they're shifting what they even want to, you know, I, I guess in theory, we'll use this word, try and prosecute them for, uh, now the other thing that was amazing about this is that. Each one of these witnesses, they get up and they give this hugely emotional speech. Every one of them. I want to tell you about me. I grew up with a mom who, uh, you know, she escaped Auschwitz. But, you know, even though even though she got out of Auschwitz, she decided it, it, I, I want to put better things into an oven. So she started baking cookies for little kids. <laughs> that's what she wanted to do. And then we came to this country and that's all we've ever done is bake cookies for little kids. But these aren't even sugar cookies. These are cookies that are filled with, with protein and they're filled with nutrients. And if you eat these, you, you can. And we've been giving them to poor people for free. That's all we've ever been done. That's what I do. And then Trump came into my life. Like, and the, the thing that's infuriating about this is you're supposed to be here to testify. Did you see a crime or not? I don't need the whole sob speech about what you did or didn't see. That was the other thing that was infuriating about this. They're like, you know, each one of these is like a four or five hour spectacle. Right. Like, give me the fucking highlights. I wish they'd put me in charge or like just have, like, don't even broadcast it. Just have the ESPN highlights in and out of of what's going on. You can cut these things down to a couple minutes of basically, hey, you're here to give testimony. What, What was the quid pro quo that you saw? And in every one of these cases, if you ask that, the answer would be, well, I didn't see any. They're trying to build like, you know, well, you met with this guy on that day and this thing happened. And by the way, it, by the way, let's just take a step back. It's very clear that Trump did quid pro quo. The problem is he was slick about it. And so you don't have any actual evidence of a crime being committed. And also in the scheme of things that politicians and presidents do, this is fucking, yeah, it, it, it's, Isn't it's that like, what they're supposed to do. Yeah. It's like a little mediocre, nothing. And then here's the other thing. It's not like he said to them, Hey, I, um, I'll give you all this military aid, but I need you to go fabricate evidence, um, against the Bidens. He didn't do that. Like he said, hey, I think there was an actual crime here. I want you to go look into if there was an actual crime. He didn't say go make up a crime. He said, go look into this. If you come back with an actual crime, I'd like to hear about it. Now, is that illegitimate? Like, you know what I mean? Imagine if he came back and he found out that the entire Democratic Party uh, was, yeah, I don't know, giving resources over to the Ukraine to uh, fund the CIA to uh, take babies into shelters and put things in their assholes. Let's just oh. imagine that. I, I, you know, I realize it didn't sound like Is that. that thing? N- n- no, it's probably, I don't know. You're out in the streets. You would know. <laughs> uh, there, You're closer. 
streets. You're closer to the people that are being grabbed. Um, <laughs> I've never been touched. Uh, I don't know what I was trying to say here. I lost my train of thought thinking about these babies and what might be inside their assholes. Something. To do, okay, the point is there might have actually been an underlying crime here. It's not like he asked to, for things to go, uh, just be fabricated. And now I'm just rambling. So let's move forward with what actually took place in uh, some of these hearings. So here were some of these fun moments. We were talking about the uh, the Jeff Ross thing, uh, uh, the Jeff Ross guy, um, Sonland. How do you pronounce his name, Harrington? Uh, couldn't tell you. Soundland. Son. Sonland. I. I don't know. Uh, By the way, one more piece of bullshit uh, before we uh, take a look at a couple of clips from uh, Soundland is that they were also talking about how grave the situation is in Ukraine, that if we didn't immediately give them military aid, they were they, their country was going to go over. P- Putin's just standing there. It's like the, the that, that what was the uh, in Lord of the Rings, the one town that was like on the edge of Mordor. They were saying, hey, we've been fighting these guys forever and we need your support. You remember what that town was called? Oh, oh. Uh, Rohan? Rohan. It's like the Knights of Rohan. Riders of Rohan? Yeah, it's like the Riders of Rohan. Like, if we didn't give this money to the people of Ukraine, they'd be dead by tomorrow. <laughs> and, and and this this just isn't true. It's like right at the beginning of all of your testimony about the sob story of bacon cookies and that the Ukrainians are going to die immediately if we don't give them money. It's like you're already channeling to me that we're just in the land of theatricals and being full of shit. So you got this guy. We're just gonna call him Soundland. That's what we're. That's what we're gonna call him. Well, that's uh, that's Schiff and some lady's armpit. Is okay, that you a? You wanted three thirty-five, right? Yeah. So I want to watch this at. Uh, no, I think at three thirty-five. That's my error. I think I mean three hours and thirty-five minutes even. Okay. This guy. Yeah. Oh, he does look like skinny Jeff uh, statements Ross. Statements were made because I said repeatedly I don't recall President Trump ever saying that to me. Okay. I think what they said, if I could just... Okay, pull it back, because that's actually really important. Because this is like, you know, for, hey, this is the bombshell thing, this is the guy, and this is the... The media was reporting, like, there was the, the couple rounds of the shit beforehand, oh. and then when it got to this guy, like, okay, we really got him. So this was a fun moment, and this is a, t- a testament to how much of this bullshit I really watched that I found this moment. Roll the tape. On the investigations, that you had a phone call with President Trump that you relayed to both Tim Morrison and Ambassador Taylor whose accounts of that conversation you do not dispute, where President Trump confirmed that President Zelensky needed to publicly announce the investigations, or otherwise the obvious implication of the stalemate would be that the aid would not be released. Is that correct? Again, the implication, I did not hear directly from President Trump that the aid would be held up until the statement was made. Okay, pause it for a second. So there you go. I did not have any first... I'm here to testify that I don't have any actual first-hand knowledge of it. Yes, I, I, I can interpret an implication. I'm testifying here that I'm making an interpretation on evidence that I... Like, what is this, supposed to be an eyewitness? Okay, continue. Agree that with whatever Mr. Morrison and Ambassador Taylor testified to about the conversation you had with President Trump. Is that right? Uh, remind me again. I don't want to misspeak. Well, you, you just said you have no reason to dispute their accounts based on their detailed notes. Were they saying that I told them that President Trump said that the aid would not be released until the uh, statements were made? Because I said repeatedly, I don't recall President Trump ever saying that to me. Pause it again. 
I think what they said. If Pause I again. Harrington, what did that sound like to you? Does this guy, is this guy giving testimony that Trump at one point stated a quid pro quo? Sounded like he was saying that Trump specifically said no quid pro quo. Well, that happens later, but in this specific incident, he's just saying, uh, I cannot testify to the fact that Trump ever told me. Rewind it again. Rewind it like that five seconds. President Trump said that the aid would not be released until the... Uh, statements were made because I said repeatedly, I don't recall President Trump ever saying that to me. All right, pause it. In other words, Donald Trump never said to me that we're not releasing the aid unless the statements are made. Mm -hmm. I think what they said, if I could just finish this line of questioning, was that President Trump was adamant that President Zelensky himself had to clear things up, quote, clear things up and do it in public, unquote. So what they related was although President Trump claimed to you there was no quid pro quo, he also made it clear to you in that call that President Zelensky had to, quote, clear things up and do it in public. You don't have any reason to dispute. That's what I, you I don't have any reason to dispute the clear things up and do it in public. What I'm trying to be very clear about was President Trump never told me directly that the aid was tied to that statement. But in that same conversation... All right, you can just pause it there. The so Schiff is stepping in. He's trying to just kind of reframe the narrative, but we can both agree based on what we just heard. This guy cannot testify to the fact that Trump ever said, hey, we're going to engage in a quid pro quo here. All right. Now I want to go over to my my boy. Um, I gave you this next clip. Uh, the guy's name is Radcliffe. He's the, the, the superstar of these proceedings. I like his line of thinking. I like the way he operates. I like the way he's almost handsome. He's not quite there, but he's almost there. <laughs> Roll the tape for us, Mr. Harrington. ...all of your direct communications with President Trump as it relates to this inquiry, and of course you can correct me if I get it wrong. Um, On May 23rd, you had a group uh, meeting that included what you called a vanilla request about uh, ending corruption involving uh, Ukrainian oligarchs, correct? Correct. On July 25th, you called President Trump to say you were on your way to Ukraine, but nothing of substance occurred on that call. Correct? Correct. On July 26, you had a a a restaurant that you didn't originally remember because it, according to your statement this morning, quote, did not strike me as significant at the time, end quote, but once refreshed, recalled that the primary purpose was a a rapper named ASAP Rocky. (laughs) Correct? Correct. And on September 9th, and most importantly, uh, reading from your uh, deposition, you called President Trump to ask him, what do you want from Ukraine? He responded, I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. I want Zelensky to do the right thing. I want him to do what he ran on. And what he ran on was fighting corruption, correct? Correct. And then lastly, on October 2nd, in a random in-person meeting that you had at an event for the Finnish president, you ran into President Trump and advised him that you'd been called to testify before Congress. And he said to you, good, go tell the truth. That's correct. All right. And that is the entirety of your recollection of your direct communications with President Trump about these matters. I may have had another call or meeting or two. I, again, I wish, Mr. Radcliffe, I had the record. I understand, but this is what you recall. This is what I recall. Okay, so stop me if there's anything sinister or nefarious in any of this. A vanilla request about corruption, a call to say I'm on my way to Ukraine, a five-minute call you didn't remember is significant, but the primary purpose was to discuss a rapper, a call, that you made where the president said, I want nothing, I want no quid pro quo, I want Zelensky to do the right thing, 
I want him to do what he ran on and him telling you to go tell Congress the truth. Anything sinister or nefarious about any of that? Not the way you present it. Okay, and that is the truth as you've presented it, correct? Correct. All right, why that's important, Ambassador Sondland, is because none of that is hearsay. None of that is speculation. None of that is opinion. That is based on largely speculation and presumption and opinion. This is direct testimony and direct evidence. And to that point, none of that included evidence about the Bidens, and none of that included evidence about military assistance, because President Trump never m mentioned either of those to you, correct? That's correct. All right. So going back to the July 26th uh, call, because it's going to be a spectacle tomorrow, you didn't remember it because it didn't strike you as significant at the time. Is it fair to say that if uh, the President of the United States was asking you to do or say something improper un or unlawful, that would have been significant to you? Yes. All right. And if that call was part of a bribery or extortion scheme that you were part of, as Democrats have alleged, you'd remember that as significant, wouldn't you? I was not a part, and I would have remembered. I understand that, and I agree with you. Um, uh, let's turn to quid, the quid pro quo, because it's been reported in the papers that this was blockbuster testimony today about quid pro quo and new evidence. To be fair to you, Ambassador Sondland, according to your statement today, as you say on page 14, as you testified previously, this was uh, your opinion that there was a quid pro quo, correct? The uh 2016 Burisma and the, uh, excuse me, the 2016 uh, election and Burisma in return for the uh, White House meeting. That's right. correct. So um, you've shared that before. Um, to that point, to be clear again on the part of it that relates to military assistance, though, you don't have any direct evidence from President Trump about that part of it. That, 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 that's your two plus two part of the equation, right? The presumption, correct? That's correct. All right. And you understand also that um, others disagreed. Yesterday we heard from uh, Mr. Morrison. All right, pause it right here for one second, Harrington. Okay, so one of the big arguments, and it came from Schiff at one point, where he goes, uh, actually, I think Sunland himself said this, that if you just looked at the overall picture of what was going on between Trump and Ukraine, you could put it together that there was quid pro quo here. It's as simple as two plus two equals four. And so Radcliffe here explains why that is just a ridiculous summation of the events. Go ahead, press play. It's actually Radcliffe. I don't know why I keep saying Radcliffe. I understand that that's what they okay. say. That reasonable people could look at all of this and come to different conclusions. Correct? Correct. I yield back. Oh, I guess I made that up, Harrington. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman, <laughs> Ambassador. Thank you. There was no two plus two equals four analysis at the end of that. I there think was. He said it wasn't quite as uh, uh, of a bombshell breakdown as I remembered. Um, welcome to the show. We we got an open door policy. If you want to get in on the action and break down a little bit of what's going on with Ratcliffe and the impeachment hearings, I know part of the problem is not enough of listening to me. That sometimes you're like, I want even more live Robbie the Fire, which is why I'm going to crash his podcast. I'm I'm torturing Brian right now. If you uh, if Brian, you, those cans are on <laughs> for the home listener. <laughs> he's just trying to get his uh, gear out of the studio so he can finally leave from his late night shift at uh, I don't even know what time is it, Harrington. Nine twenty. Nine twenty. That's not that late. Get him back in here. No. All right. That's okay. Brian, you sure you don't want to pop up? No, no. It's all good. Um. Okay. So Harrington, the. 
the last moment that I wanted to play um, was I just wanted to, as I was telling you before, when at one point he said, yes, there certainly was quid pro quo, uh, but the quid pro quo that he was referring to was actually to a meeting. Um, so I want you to uh, I want you to bring that up for, for me. And that's the next timestamp that I had. I know that members of this committee frequently frame these complicated issues in the form of a simple question. Was there a quid pro quo? As I testified previously, with regard to the requested White House call and the White House meeting, the answer is yes. Mr. Giuliani conveyed to Secretary Perry, Ambassador Volcker, and others that President Trump wanted a public statement from President Zelensky committing to investigations of Burisma and the 2016 election. Mr. Giuliani expressed those requests directly to the Ukrainians, and Mr. Giuliani also expressed those requests directly to us. We all understood that these prerequisites for the White House call and the right White House meeting reflected President Trump's desires and requirements. Emails show that the leadership of the State Department... All right, you can call it there. I've had enough of all this, Mr. Harrington. ...and the White House. All right. So just to close it out, I was watching this, and uh, can you just pull up a picture of uh, Adam Schiff? So I'm telling you, I really sat down and was trying to figure out what about Adam Schiff is so unlikable. Because there's something about him when he talks, I dislike him. And I was really trying to think about this in terms of, yeah, go for it. I think I got it, dude. Okay. He's got buttholes for eyes. Yeah, yeah. Part of it is definitely the eyeballs, but... Look at that. I listened it's to him. Big, droopy butthole. <laughs> I called him uh, um, balloon face ass mouth once on uh, Twitter. Mm. Um, but in terms of politics being team sport, he's up there and I can tell that he's lying and I can tell that he's being a hypocrite and that he's both lying and investigating somebody else for, you know, basically being a uh, for a liar. You know, it's like just the ultimate hypocrisy. Uh, and then there's also an element to me that I'd like to somewhat believe in our country and the ability to have some sort of a democracy. And I say that uh, w- with very reserved words, as I know a lot of our uh, a lot of our listeners are true anarcho-libertarians. And I would like it also if there were places that you could go to and live without government. Uh, which you could argue argue also makes me an anarcho-libertarian, but let's not get into the details on that. I'm specifically wanting to just talk about Adam Schiff, and that for some reason, I listen to this guy talk, and he bugs the shit out of me. But then I also understand that some people listen to Donald Trump, and he bugs the shit out of them. And now they're both liars. So what is it? Because like I almost feel like Adam Schiff brings up a guttural reaction in me that I just feel like disgusted I by his presence and I feel like that's what most people who look at Donald Trump feel about Donald Trump do you kind of see what I'm saying here Harrington it's like it's team sports where some people I don't find Trump to be that offensive even though he's lying to us but for some reason I look at Schiff and he just it, it like it's like nails on a chalkboard his presence just irritates the fuck out of me well like I, I think what it comes down to is is like you know, one guy just strikes me as like a, you know, somebody who's lying and just doing their best to get away with it. The other one strikes me as somebody who's lying to to tattle. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's it, it's that fucking weaselly shit. And so the weaselly shit is what made like Trump is lying and it's like a goofball lying where he keeps going to the top and he's making money by lying and you're like, holy shit, people are buying into your bullshit and it's kind of funny and entertaining. This lie is to try and get somebody else in trouble and it's like it brings out the snitches get stitches part of your brain. Dude, there is there is something very inherent about that where it's like, come on. Like, why you ru- why are you ruining the party for this guy? Like, yeah, yeah, he's full of shit, but it's working out for him. Just let him be full of shit. Yeah, fuck you, dude. What what are you doing? You 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 you're just making your living being a rat. That's that's not cool for anybody, dude. That that's that's Harrington. I I think that's very interesting. I'm gonna get into my analysis of what I was thinking was so off about Adam Schiff. So first is. It's not so much that his eyes look like buttholes, which they do. It's like those deep wrinkles mm-hmm. on the top and the bottom. I, I could see that. But when you see him talk, it actually looks like somebody else's eyeballs are inside of his head. Ooh. It's almost like in those old Scooby-Doo cartoons where you saw like the eyes in the paintings would be following people. And because it was someone was like, you know, lo- was looking through it. That's what he looks like. He also have the has the ears of uh, Bat Boy, who was that uh, from the da- from the Daily Enquirer. And then he's got this awkwardly long neck. It's like a goose. It's like the top of a lollipop. It's like this big thin neck followed by a big round ass head. That's why I said the uh, balloon. By the way, this is how much I, it, he was bothering me. I was like, maybe it's that I hate Jews. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's like a deep rooted anti semitism in me that I see this guy or. The other thing I was thinking as I was looking at pictures of him when he was youthful and he had a full head of hair and he was a pretty sharp looking guy. Mm. Now he's, and I was like, maybe it's a reflection of my own insecurities about balding that I look at him and I realize how unattractive it is when you are bald. And I'm like, I'm like, maybe that's what bothers me about this guy. Harrington, here is the best theory I saw on the internet. This was not my own call, but that this is Andy Kaufman's best character yet. Look at a picture <laughs> of Adam Schiff next to Andy Kaufman. This is his best prank. Wrestling women was not upsetting the nation enough, and so he moved on and became Adam Schiff so that he could get on TV and really infuriate us all. It's the it's the it's just Andy Kaufman's latest character to get under all under all of our skins and really prank the fuck out of us. Kaufman, he just it's, it, there's not enough chin there. Andy Kaufman at least had a pronounced chin. All right, let me let me see Andy Kaufman again. I don't know over the. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if his neck got a little bit thinner, I, I could kind of see it. I don't know. All right, so <laughs> Harrington, I'm telling you, I really sat down. I was like, I'm going to crack this code. I'm going to figure out what is off about Adam Schiff that is so disturbing. And here's what I figured out: while he's sitting there. And he's giving testimony or he's running what is basically kind of like a trial type thing or he's talking politics. He looks like a guy, his face, his facial expressions look like he should be performing in Oklahoma. That's what it is. It's like a dude playing that like sailor guy in a musical hanging off like, you know, the, the train pulls into town and he's hanging off the edge of the thing. And then he gets off and he starts doing his little dumb d- dance number. That's what makes Adam Schiff so disturbing. He looks like he's in a musical while, you know, talking about issues that, you know. All right. You get my point. Uh, Wildly gay. Well, no, I'm not calling him wildly gay. I'm not saying that he's gay. Okay, well, I am. I think I think straight men enjoy musicals sometimes. Sure, I think sometimes straight men again. perform in musicals. No. I'm I'm not I'm not calling the man gay. I'm not saying that I'm bothered with him. 
because of some deep-rooted homophobia. I'm not saying that he's got an effeminate, whiny-type character voice and that he's ratting out other people and there's something that would... Uh, very gay about that? I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying very specifically that he seems like a character that would be in a musical. Like, he's got the facial expressions of one of these dancing-type... Like, like a, a per- dancing gay man. No, but not, not... I'm not calling him... I'm not saying that you it's a gay thing. You don't have to say he's gay. I'm not calling him gay, and I'm not saying that these are the character traits of a gay man. I wouldn't say that because you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> I'm saying, buddy, I'm allowed to say whatever I want. I don't got a hope for them to take away. That boy, gay. <laughs> I don't think he's gay. I don't think it's the characters of a gay man. I just think he looks like he's performing in Oklahoma. All right, that's enough of this uh, impeachment. Uh, the 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 whole. We quit talking about this gay guy now. <laughs> that's enough of this impeachment rattle. Let's uh, check in with an expert on a, a different topic that was big in the news now, uh, just because uh, this thing's going to be an incoherent mess for me to edit anyways. Uh, we recorded this at another time, so you know if, if it doesn't flow from this moment to the moment three seconds from now, we didn't record the two, and I'm just going to be honest about it. Why lie about it to have to get into post and try and tweak around with it? You know what I mean? Doggy, I feel you. Let's just call it out. In ten seconds from now, it wasn't recorded with what we did right now, so just you know, be cool. Yeah, dude. It's still fun. It's yeah, why, still funny. Why you got to judge the transitions? Why you got to make a thing out of the transitions? Yeah, Just dude. let us transition, you know. Well, what, what are you going to make a stink out of this for? You know what, dude? I don't, I don't mind anybody transitioning to anything. That's how tolerant I am. Yeah, you're, you're, you're transition tolerant. If you you're, really wanted to be, if you really wanted to show, you know, what you're on the right side of history, you should be down with these transitions. Be transition tolerant. <laughs> <laughs> Let us go from one thing to the next with zero coherence. <laughs> All right, roll the tape. Now, most of the time when we talk about stuff on the show, we're just we're making it up. But every once in a while, a topic comes across our desk that I mean, we've got the utmost of expertise in. Nobody is more qualified than us to handle some of these topics. And that's when, when I saw Eric uh, Saulwall, is that his last name, Harrington? Saulwall? Wallasoller? Saulwall? 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 We'll go with Saulwall. Saulwall sounds... Kind of sounds like what he did. Yeah, does... All right, well... Swalwell. Yosef, you blew the surprise. I was trying to give you a good lead in there that we had the world's greatest fart expert... Nobody farts more. No one's farts stinkier. Nobody's more consistent. Nobody knows more about... Actually, you're training. You're training for the world championships out in India because that's how yeah, qualified... 2020. 2020. Because you know that nobody knows. So as the future world champion of farts, well, what, what can you... Already yeah. the unofficial champion of farts. I just haven't, uh, you know made it official with any actual tournament or Olympiad. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I, when I saw that, I was like that. I've never been happier just because like for a fart to be on that scale and like to be talked about that much, it's like, it's bringing some, some joy to the farting community. Now, <laughs> what do you? Because you feel like farts are unrep- underrepresented in the media. That television just tries to showcase some other reality where people aren't farting. And you're like, I'm sitting in office. I'm ripping ass all the time. I'd rather all if they the normalize this stink. I don't want to live in some world where everyone looks at the news and they just see pretty people that don't fart on air. That's not the life I'm living. I want my people to be represented. 
Yeah, it was. It's it's finally the media had to talk about it. This was such a clear fart that there was just no towing the line. It's not like you could have passed that off as anything else. And you know, like people don't like talking about it. People don't even like acknowledging it or um, kind of like talking about it in the in a bathroom. Like I find sometimes maybe it's only in like a, a work bathroom, but like like sometimes I'll rip a fart in there and like it's still like. It's like, how dare you? You know what I, that. you know what I do? I, I, I I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this on my gravestone. Cause I think it's the most courteous thing that I do. Uh, but for the most part, I'll step outside to fart. Like if I'm at the office, I'll, I'll step outside. I'll, I'll rip, I'll rip farts outside. Now here's, what's great. I, right I ab- would be outside too much, too much. It's not, if I yeah, it, 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 it doesn't, no, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't suit the lifestyle. Or- uh, well, I just I would never be able to be inside. Now, can you, what would happen if HR pulled you in? Can we can we simulate HR Harrington? You want to be the uh, you want to be the HR representative who uh, needs to sit down with uh, Yosef Harrington. I'll reset this up for you. I, I'm I'm paying attention. Okay, so you're the HR director, and people have complained that uh, Yosef's farting a little bit too much at work. So you have to pull him into your office and. Uh, you know, just try and discuss it in the most professional way and see if the see if maybe it could be resolved. Uh, Yosef, thanks for coming into my office today. I really oh, appreciate sure. that. Um, it's come to my attention that more than one of your coworkers is experiencing, let's say, in a hostile work environment from your flatulence. Uh, oh. Yeah. We kind of need to get this taken care of. Um, yeah. I, uh, you know, it's, I kind of keep it. I try to keep it, uh, you know, one or two a day. But uh, there are some days where where it goes a little bit, a little bit past that. Right, um, Yosef. Yeah. I'm here to tell you, one is too many. Uh, two is insane. And more than that, I should fire you. All right. Um, well, uh, we'll we'll try to keep it in that one ballpark from here on out. I'll, I'll definitely try to. There's uh, really no ballpark. Uh, we literally have an office outside of a ballpark. You could go out, fart there to your heart's content. It it it's just kind of an issue inside the tight confines of this office. All right. Um, is there maybe a, a space that I can go to or? You, or, uh, you no space would be a safe space if you were in it uh, farting. Okay. So it, I, I cannot in good conscience give that to you. Uh, however, the the great outdoors is massive. All right, now I want to step in and uh, we're going to court. This is a new scenario. I'm Yosef's lawyer at court uh, because I think that that is escalate court because y- you had to leave your job. They fired you for all your flatulence, and now oh, we're so going to court. I'm I'm saying it's a disability. Harrington, you can play oh, the prosecutor. Okay. You can say you can argue that it was his diet, and I'll argue on behalf of my client. Well, 
he's openly cooking uh, various Jewish foods in the microwave in the office. I have to assume that's where the awful smell originated. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that's exactly the issue here. It's anti-Semitism. They're accusing our foods of causing flatulence. Can a man not appreciate the heritage and the comforts of his office? He works a stressful job. He works a job day in, day out. He's got a trade. He's got a trade. It's finance. Have you guys ever worked a financial job? You're responsible for millions of other people's dollars? No, you haven't. And let me tell you, it's stressful. And when it comes lunchtime, you want to eat the food of your heritage, the things that make you feel comfortable so that when you return to your desk, you're ready to go. And if this man has an irritable bowel that maybe lets out the occasional flatulence, we're going to fire him for that. Is that something that this man shouldn't be able to earn a living for himself and his family? It's that his bowels irritate everyone else. He can have as as rough a stomach as he needs. Just keep it away from the other employees in this office. Well, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'd like to submit that paperwork that Yosef submitted to the HR department that he would like a fart zone where at work he could comfortably pass wind and he was declined that escalating the matter. Also, are these employees not farting at work? No one else is letting them rip. Mr. We, Feldstein, you're on the witness stand. Are other people farting in this office? There are, but uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I pride myself on on the the level of fart that I have, and no one is coming. <laughs> Wait, you're on the you're on the witness stand. That's not what that's not what you want to throw out yeah, in well, front of the jury. You feel like even they should be aware no, of the stench. No, that no, that is why I need that safe space. That is why I need a dedicated room for me to go fart in because the power of my farts cannot be withstand in like any normal employee in my office. If you had a lady that worked like on your desk, would you control your farts or? You would, it's like, this is the real me. I got to work here day in, day out. I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm farting at work. There are ladies that pass by. Well, they pass by like your desk, but they're not like, you're not sharing a desk during with the lady. During the time of farting, during the, there's, it's definitely during the time of flatulence. Okay. And by now, do you think like your employees, I mean, the people you work with know your brand? Like if they didn't know you were in a room and they walked into a room and you had farted, they could like look around and be like, oh, Yosef must be here. No, I think it's pretty, it's, there's enough like, uh, it's not an enclosed space. So it's that open floor. Uh, oh, I'm thinking of your last area. office. Oh yeah. That, that was bad because it was like three of us in an enclosed glass container but we had a good understanding of the three people that were in there. That that yeah, was a that was a, a fart safe zone. Okay, so but I want to yeah a totally different thing. Anyone who passes by during like the during like an active fart will definitely smell it when they walk by. But it's not going to like overtake an actual space. All right, so while good. while we got the, the fart expert here, let's uh let's let's actually listen to the episode of Eric Saul whatever. Uh, farting, and uh, let's break it down because I don't think it was him. Question, though. I've got no, another theory he, no. here. No, I know you have another theory, but that was so, such a fart. It was like not – the thing is um, – well, I'll, I'll bring it up when you bring your uh, your argument. All right. That was like such a great fart. And the complaint that I've heard from Republican taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help them cheat an election – and the complaint that I've heard from Republican taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help them cheat an election. And the okay. complaint that I've heard from first piece of evidence of why I don't think that was a fart. 
He's standing up there, right? He's not sitting down. That sounds like an in a chair fart. Harrington, is he standing or seated? Looks like he's seated. It looks like he's seated, okay. Is it a leather chair? It sounds like a leather chair cushion. It it sounds like air being pushed against a leather air cushion kind of thing. I I have to assume so. You can't see the chair. All right, now... The, the one thing, thing is, I will say, he's got a twitchy eye, and that twitchy eye makes it look like he knows a fart's coming. But not only does he know a fart's coming, but also there's like a quarter second right before the fart. Well, the fart, not even I won't even call it the fart sound, which you're alleging it is. Um, right before it, he just pauses for the briefest of moments. Like that's that moment where you know there's it's the point of no return of like a big fart. And again, I'm an expert in this, so I know this. He he just, it, you play it again and there's like, it's it's so subtle, but so perfect that like right before it just rips through his ass, he just like, is like quiet for a quarter of a second. Okay. It's, it's just- now let me ask you another question because I, I saw a video where they were purposely, like purposely just to be humorous, dropping in farts. And uh, Solwell does have a somewhat weird cadence and he also has a slightly twitchy face. Uh, do you think there's any possibility that that is just the like a producer put a fart sound in? Uh, because the sound almost sounds too perfect of a fart. It almost sounds like it's aft- off of one of those fart albums. If you ever bought one of those, like it's almost like fart, a, generic a fart. fart n- yeah, it almost sounds like generic fart number one. Um, yeah. Do you think there's no, any definitely. possibility that it was put in post, like a producer put it in? No, because I heard people watching it live. Oh, people like it watched like it live live, yeah. and reacted live. Okay, so definitely yeah. was not put in post, which, uh, all right. But now I've got a, I've got a totally different theory for you, and I think I have the evidence to back it up. I think that might have been Chris Matthews's fart. I think Chris Matthews, who was doing the interview, might have farted while he was talking. Now, before I bring forward the evidence of this, are you willing to entertain that theory that it was in fact Chris Matthews? Hundred no. percent, no. You say it was definitely Saulwall. By the 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 face and the the moment of silence right before the the bomb was dropped. So here's my here's my two pieces of evidence. The first piece of evidence is that uh, Chris Matthews said that it was due to a cup on the desk, which oh, that that classic oh, excuse. But that excuse that is not the sound of a cup on like you can get a cup on desk fart noise a hundred percent, but it's going to be more of like a like a longer fart. It's going to, it's not going to like, this is a more of a, like a deep growling fart. The cup on the desk fart is more of like an extended, like not even that's more of a wet fart. Um, was that a cup on the desk fart? No, that was not a cup on the desk fart. I was trying my best to duplicate the cup on the desk fart. And I came up with more of like a wet grumbly fart cup on the desk fart. Cup on the desk fart, like it would be a scraping type noise, which would either be a little bit like high pitch, like one of like, like a, like a more of just a squeaky thing or a more elongated, like I want to say a thun, not like thunderous in terms of booming, but thunderous in that like a uh, continual motion type fart. You know what I mean? Where it's right. like, maybe. you know, puff after, but like that, I, I don't know. Can you maybe duplicate the, <laughs> that's not bad, uh, w- w- except like for the ending. No, the ending wouldn't be... No, it would be less airy. It would be less of the... 
Maybe, maybe not quite what I have in my head, but you know, we're not great with the sounds. Harrington, you want to take a stab at what the cup scraping on desk fart would sound like? Nope. Okay. There you go. Fair enough. (laughs) So I think he was the first one to go. It's like the, whoever smelt it, dealt it kind of thing where he goes, all right, listen, that was the cup on the desk. Like he was trying to cover for it and it wasn't a good cover. Like if he had said nothing at all, maybe you could say, Hey, it was an error in post or the production. But once someone steps in and goes, Hey, it's the cup on the desk. It's clear that we're all acknowledging, okay, a fart just happened. And that was the right. best excuse he can come up with. Now I found other moments on YouTube Slash, I saw someone else uh, uh, put forward this theory, uh, but I don't remember who it was. So I can't credit them. Uh, there's four other videos of a guest talking with a similar fart on Chris Matthews' Ooh. show. Four other times, and the same way brands can have a scent, I put forward the motion that even sounds can be a giveaway of one man's asshole to another. Harrington, for Felt, Mr. Feldstein here, can you... Can you sh- when he pleaded guilty to these charges in the Southern District of New York... But what's different is today is that the, that when he pleaded guilty to these charges in the Southern District of New York, it has a That's similar a it has a That's similar a push out feature. It has a similar I'm forcing this out. My stomach's uh-huh. uncomfortable. Those are two different sounds, though. No, it's a different sound, but it's got the same. It's got a similar tonality in that the way it's yeah, being it forced out of the asshole. Intro. It definitely has a screeching intro. Mm. All right, Harrington, play <gasps> us another one. Oh wow! It's just well, like what a critique. And with me now is Scott Arsenault. He's the executive director of the Florida Democratic Party, and Bob Shrum is a Democratic strategist. Has been through a lot of these races. Scott, just give me the skinny here. Can we get a clean, fair, honest? Election you hear that? In you might have already missed the fart, yeah, but that was a very similar right. fart. Harrington, pull it back for the man. Wow, what a critique. And with me now is Scott Arsenault. He's the executive director of the Florida Democratic Party. And Bob Shrum is a Democratic strategist. has been through a lot of these races. Scott, just give me the skinny here. Can we get a clean, fair, honest election (laughs) for It's a similar low grumble. It's a similar low grumbly fart. All right. (laughs) See, that I think was definitely... I think that those... That last one for sure was Chris. I think there's he also, because he it was with the you could tell it with the intonation of what he's saying also that it was like within like it was like he he introed the fart with with his kind of not mannerisms but like voice mannerisms right I don't know what those would be called Harrington t- tonality Harrington I think there's oh, one yeah. more fart that we could uh, play for the record please. And this one has some commentary. Hardball's on Chris Matthews about to rip ass right on live TV. Listen. <laughs> Here it comes. So that really depends on how it's ultimately structured. If they were able to make some sort of attack. <laughs> you hear that? Rip. That was low. It was low. It wasn't, it wasn't as big of a rip. It didn't have as much air pressure. It didn't have as much buildup. But it definitely came through on the low grumble. Okay. So listen, but that, that last one was more of a like, like it just was causing his his stomach so much pain, and just need to like, ugh, like push that shit out. Like that wasn't such a good fart. Like the the ones that came before that were a little were like heftier. Some, okay, so yeah. let's uh let's just throw it to the panel. Harrington, take a vote. Who do you whose fart do you say it was? Produ- producer and post, Saulwell or Chris Matthews? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, all Solwell. All right. Yosef, who are you going with? Not a doubt in my mind. After all that that uh, evidence, it was it was 100% uh, the Solwell man. All right. Now, this Solwell guy, not a great year. I fe- he was the first person who uh, failed out of the uh, Democratic primaries, I believe. Or maybe the first or the second. Kind of an unlikable dude. He also, I think, got caught in a couple lies being really aggressive um, with like the Trump, uh, Trump-Russia Trump collusion stuff. He kind of looked like a goofball on that. And then just overly, I mean, you can just see in his face, he's not the smoothest of politicians. He's got a twitchy face. He's just kind of got an unlikability to him. And then he goes on TV and he gets caught farting. What do you think his evening looks like when he sits down to have dinner with his wife and she goes, how was your wife? Like, does he not want to bring that up? Is he still calling people trying to figure out how he wins back over the public? Does he eat some beans and go, hey, guys, I want you to know that's not what my farts sound like. Does he just move on from it and laugh? Because he didn't own up to it. He didn't just go, hey, that was funny. He didn't he didn't pull the dude move and go, yeah, I rip farts all the fucking time on the news. You know what I mean? He didn't he didn't go funny with it. He went prideful with it. I don't know where he tried to deny it. Oh, he tried to deny it. He he got out there. Uh, I don't know if it was a video. I think he just tweeted that he neither heard nor oh. smelled the toot while he was recording, so it didn't even happen oh. in the room. So he's on full that's, denial mode. Yeah, that, that's that's so much denial, you almost kind of like have to question it. Harrington, what uh, what do you think that guy's evening looked like? Do you think he's completely ashamed of this? Uh, here's the thing. I think behind closed doors, 100%, he's looking at it like... Yeah, dog. Like, I farted on live TV. Fuck Chris Matthews, kind of. Like, oh, he thinks it's funny behind closed doors. Yeah, but he's a politician, so he has to kind of be lame. Oh, so it publicly, that's an interesting theory, that publicly he's got to pretend like, hey, that never happened, and that he's dignified, but behind he's closed doors, like, yeah, hands, he, like, he's high-fiving. Yeah, yeah, that was a fucking <laughs> awesome-ass fucking fart. That, that's, you know what? That's the, that's as interesting of, of a theory as we're going to get uh, put out there. Okay, so the, just the next thing I wanted to show you to kind of get your reaction to. I don't have a ton about it, but it is just hilariously funny. Um, Harrington, can you play the video of the Amon Meth ad that they just put together for North Dakota? Oh, that's good shit. Oh, have you seen it? I saw yeah. Leave everyone on it. That's the first line of a news release well, that's announcing not the state's the... new campaign against meth. Today, we just South play the actual commercial campaign called Meth. We're on it. And here's a look at right, some of the images you'll be seeing on billboards, posters, uh, and in other places. I think the billboards are fantastic. Here it is. My bad. The, the, the actual video is the funniest. I'm on meth. I'm on meth. <laughs> I'm on it too. So am I. So am I. <laughs> I'm on meth. Meth is not someone else's. Problem. All right, pause it. It's, it's like those Zoloft commercials. Like, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I take Zoloft. I take Zoloft. I take Zoloft too. No big deal. If anything, you look at them and you're like, I right, that should go out to North Dakota, do a little meth. Uh, so obviously a total failure of a commercial. I mean, really, everyone's panning them for it. Like, it's just, it's terrible. Uh. Yosef, any any thoughts on what got fucked up on this one? I think like it's because they're from North Dakota. Like they thought that they could like actually pull that off like because like you could you know what? you understand what they're trying to go for like I'm on taking care of the meth problem, but it's so 
it's it's like just so perfect because all those people are like, yeah, you're probably on meth. Right. And they definitely don't have a, yeah, I'm going to go out there and go help some people attitude. Yeah. It just no. really sounds like they're saying I'm on meth. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> Harrington, what do you think the sales pitch looked like from the marketing agency to the mayor of North Dakota? Because that that's a marvel. Those people know how to sell. The fact that they got that bullshit approved. They well, got the a fact- huge funding for it. I think it I think was like, like seven hundred thousand. Yeah, it was like yeah. a shit ton of money. The fact that you think North Dakota only has a mayor tells me everything <laughs> I need to know uh, about what you think about North Dakota. But I do think that pitch went something like this: Hey, how's everybody doing? I'm on meth. You're on meth. You're on meth. Let's all tell people about how we're all on meth and things are awesome in North Dakota. <sighs> oh, so you're agreeing with me? You think that this wasn't to tell people they have to deal with the meth problem? This was a trap. Travel. This was one of those videos. This was a come, come hang out in North Dakota. Everyone's on meth, having a good old time. Look, when I was 19 years old in my third rehab, I had a girl explain to me meth, and this is the sales pitch she gave me as a 19 year old boy. Couldn't turn it down. She said, "There's three things you do. You find some kind of crazy hustle. You find some way to like make money. You're very productive with your time. Uh, you clean your entire house, or you fuck like an animal. Some combination of all three. All of those things can help me right now." Meth sounded amazing. That sounds like the drug I've needed my entire life. It and that's from is. a and that's from a first hand user. Yeah. Uh all right, Yosef, before I let you go, even though I think you might have already disappeared, this well, might here, be the... <laughs> I'm I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. While I look at an empty screen and I hear toilet flushes, he assures me that he's there. Harrington, oh, how much here. how much weight have you lost? You've dropped you've dropped quite a quite a few pounds. Sorry, I don't know where I started at, but I'm well under uh, two hundred five now. And it, it's is it like a specific diet strategy or just mostly being broken homeless? Intermittent fasting is what I'm calling it. Um, because otherwise it'd be starvation. Okay, that sounds good. Yosef, I gotta I gotta relax off the sandwiches. I went on too much of a bender eating uh Rubens Ruben. after our episode. Yeah. I went on a fucking bender and I uh, I was eating so much I was like, I gotta get on a scale. Cause I used to have a scale in my bathroom, which was great because I'd get on it every day and you'd see those numbers and I'd feel the shame. And let me tell you, sometimes you put on enough and it, it just becomes uh not fun. And anyway, since that scale broke, I'm up 15 pounds. And uh, the YouTube numbers are growing on on Davey Smith's show. And I used to not care how I looked in the video. I started to care. I started to care. I got I got to drop a couple. I got to drop. I got to drop a couple and then get back into the sandwich game. It's the up down roller coaster. You take a couple off and you go, okay, I'm good now. I I, I uh, like I hit my good mediocre weight and then you start with and then it, and then it becomes a thing again and you put back on the pounds and then at some point you go all right that's too much poundage we got to relax that's, that's, we got to take it back Daniel. what that's our good friend Daniel well like, that's there a, time, yeah there are times where I know that he's avoiding hanging out with me because I he's like in like his intense dieting like he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to break it because once you break it, that's it. It's over. Would run and like if if like he like mixes it up with me, like he knows that that's like one of his triggers. 
Absolutely. All right. Uh, before I let you go, by the way, I want to. I, I got to compliment you because I ate um some uh London broil out of your fridge and just cold yeah. out of your fridge. By the way, I was not invited to eat this London broil out of a fridge. Uh, no. they they were throwing a little. Yeah, they they were throwing a surprise party, and uh, I I was very anti. What? For who? For you. They they had a they had a birthday yeah. party for yeah. you, and uh. A, a, a very antisocial. <laughs> I basically sat in the other room with uh, Ari, who I hadn't seen in a while. He was a lot of fun to hang out with. And then I just opened up your fridge because I was like, I want some beef. And I was I was amazed by your cooking skills. I got to start inviting Thank myself you. over for dinner more often. I got wheels now because you can cook. You could come. And you you could you have an open invitation to come. Can, we, any can I bring Harrington? No, forget Friday for sure. night. Can, can me and Harrington come over for dinner? That guy needs a little family and home. I'm cooking. so hungry. Oh my God, we're doing that. <laughs> we're doing that. Not no. next week, because next week's Thanksgiving. Hey, for Thanksgiving, do you want to do an episode with me in the shed with the Shedcast Boys late Wednesday night? Probably not. All right. Well, fair enough. Don't say I didn't invite but, you. Uh, All right, we're no, gonna do it. Maybe next. Maybe guys, in two weeks. Come in Friday night, Shabbos dinner. In two weeks, we're gonna. Um, no, no, we're not going to do Friday night, but we're going to come over one night for dinner. We're going to do it Friday night. Like, no, because I want a podcast. We'll do a dinner episode. The invitation doesn't stand for for non Friday nights. We can't come on a weeknight. I'm not going to uh, Friday nights. The night that uh, that you make dinner. On, well, we put on the the whole Shabbos thing. Am I going to have to deal with guests though? No. Oh, okay. You would be the only guest. Wait, but can I come late? Because I do part of the problem. Can I come after part of the yeah. problem? All right, we could probably oh, work that out. That? Uh, what time is that? It ends at six thirty. You could oh, do a. Yeah, yeah. That means you could do a second dinner at seven thirty. That's like perfect for you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, this we'll not a. This is not a podcast. Uh, podcast topic. All right, Mr. Feldstein. Thank you so much for calling in. I uh, hope Thanks to see you again me. next week. Maybe even. In, oh no, because we're probably going to do a episode from the shed. Uh, Mr. Harrington, anything you want to plug? Anything you want to discuss before we call it an episode? Uh, yeah, just remember, you can check me out on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Mike Harrington. Have we moved any cum yet? Uh, there has been one vial shipped so far. Who was, uh, who was the lucky lady? Uh, was not a lady. It was a dude. (laughs) 